Hello and welcome to this Grace Baptist Mission Media podcast. You're going to hear Serving Today, a program for pastors and church leaders. If you're involved in discipling others or perhaps you teach the Bible one-to-one or in a small group, Serving Today will be relevant for a wide range of believers. Welcome to Serving Today, the program for pastors and church leaders. I'm Andrew Cook. It's great to be together again. Ephesians, more in the series. And Malcolm Ryan on spiritual maturity in A Pastor Talks. If you've been with us recently here on Serving Today, you'll know that we're going through the epistle of Paul to the church at Ephesus. We're doing this with the help of Ray Tibbs. Having taken a careful look at how our salvation was accomplished, Paul turned his attention to what it achieved. Recognising our privileges in Christ should shape the way in which we live. Well, it's good to have Ray with us again. He's going to now tell us which part of Ephesians chapter 2 we're going to look at this time. We're continuing into chapter 2 and we've reached verse 11 and we are looking at the way in which we have access to the Father. And how would you divide up a talk on Ephesians chapter 2 verses 11 to 18? Well, first of all, I think we must remember our past. This would cover verses 11 through to 13. Well, let's just read those verses. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth are called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners of the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So the memory of what we were should help us to value what caused the change and that is the blood of Christ. So we were Christless as Gentiles who had no Messiah and thus no prospect of any help from outside in the issue of sin. We were stateless, strangers to other privileges of being under the rule of God as his people. We were friendless, outside the basic relationship of the covenant with God, not his friends. We were hopeless, a future without any guaranteed blessing, only fear and despair. We were godless, adrift in the world without any help from a real deity, and therefore under the condemnation of the only true and living God. So we need to remember our past and contrast it with what we are and have in Christ. Yes, we are one in Christ, we're told in verses 14 and 15. For he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. 
So he is our peace, not just our peacemaker. Peace is only found in him personally, as John 16.33 tells us. He also made two peoples into one. He ended the enmity between Jew and Gentile and united them in himself. Without him, they remain separated. Ray, it is important to understand the depth of the divide between Jews and Gentiles when this letter was written. Can you say a bit more about that? Yes, the two groups regarded each other with suspicion and disdain. One group, the Jews, felt themselves highly privileged being the people of God and all that that meant but they looked down upon the Gentiles who had no relationship with any kind of God at all. They were entirely without any sense of concern for the things of God. The Gentiles, on the other hand, looked down upon the Jews because they regarded them as narrow and exclusive uh, people who were not integrated into the rest of society and so the two groups never had much contact with each other in a constructive way. So continuing with this heading we are therefore one in Christ what else do verses 14 and 15 say to us? These verses tell us that Christ destroyed the barrier. The existence of the law helped to create the hostility between these two peoples. There was pride on both sides. One side believed they could live with the law and the other side believed they could live quite satisfactorily without it. When Jesus fulfilled that law, it therefore ceased to be either a privilege or a disadvantage. Both peoples were of equal standing before God, a good or a bad life becoming irrelevant. The barrier was removed before the union was created. Colossians 2 verse 14. And what else is true of believers in Christ? Verses 15 and 16 tell us that we are reconciled to God. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. So these verses say, first of all, that he has created a new man. The distinction between Jew and Gentile is done away with. The newness is primarily in terms of quality and identity rather than time or harmony. Then he has made peace. This redefinition is based entirely on Christ. He both gives them their new identity and it is bound in him alone. It can never be undone. Then he brings reconciliation with God. 
Reconciliation is the renewed enjoyment of a previously unknown unity. The offended party initiates this and accomplishes it. The cross was the means by which the unity was achieved, because only the crucified Christ was acceptable to God. God received all who trusted in him, whether Jew or Gentile. As a result of this reconciliation, the hostility between them was ended. And that has real practical implications when there's so much division both in the world and often in the church as well. Ray, what's the final heading for the passage in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 11 to 18? Well, verses 17 and 18 uh, remind us that we have access to the Father. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. So these verses tell us, first of all, that because of preaching, this good news was introduced in advance by Christ himself. Matthew 9.13, Luke 19.10, and then later by the Apostles, Acts 1 verse 8. The Father, although estranged, has introduced this change of relationship out of mercy, while the Son, in agreement with the Father, does everything necessary to complete the reunion. And it is the Spirit who effectively secures an interview with the Sovereign and conducts the believer into his presence. Chapter 3, verse 12 in Ephesians. That access begins in trust and ends in prayer. We need to ask ourselves whether or not we are making full use of this free and open access to our loving Heavenly Father. Thank you very much. It's always a joy to welcome Malcolm Ryan to Serving Today. This time in A Pastor Talks, he unpacks for us what the Bible has to say about spiritual maturity. So let me ask you a couple of related questions. Is success something Christians should aim for? Is it something God wants us to have? The answers depend on your idea of success. Of course, many people define success as the achievement of wealth, status, or fame. But if that's what you're after, then you're following the world's idea of success, not God's. In his eyes, true success begins within us. The first step is a relationship with Jesus, in which we've trusted him as Lord and Saviour and are following him obediently. Indeed, God's intention for us is continuing growth in Christ-like character and spiritual maturity. But that's not all. He also has some work for us to accomplish here on earth. In fact, God has planned these tasks specifically for us and designed them with our individual personality, talents, abilities and spiritual gifts in mind. And this means we could think of them 
as our unique calling and responsibility in life, which no one else can fulfill. So you see, my friend, genuine success involves doing what the Lord has called you to do, not just once in a while, but all the time. As such, it has to do with persistence rather than perfection. And when this is your idea of success, you can know that the Lord wants you to succeed and that he'll help you to become the person he designed you to be. As Proverbs 16 verse 3 says, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. Then, looking ahead, the ultimate appraisal of our success will take place when we stand before God and give an account of our lives. And it will be no surprise to discover that any self-centered earthly achievements will have been a waste of time. Yet if we've lived by the Lord's definition of success, our treasure will be waiting for us in heaven, together with the words, well done. Well, there we must leave it for now here on Serving Today. So this is Andrew Cook saying goodbye. May we all remain faithful to our calling for the glory of Christ. Well, thanks for listening to Serving Today, a podcast from the Grace Baptist Mission radio team. To get in touch with us, you can now send us a message via WhatsApp. The number is plus four four seven five zero eight nine three two five three four. That's plus four four seven five zero eight nine three two five. Until next time, goodbye.